Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Harvest season delves into the lives of people who work behind the scenes of the premium California wine industry. During one of the most dramatic grape harvests in recent memory, the film follows the stories of Mexican-American winemakers and migrant workers who are essential to the wine business, yet are rarely recognized for their contributions. Their stories unfold as wildfires ignite in Napa and Sonoma counties, threatening the livelihood of small farmers and winemakers. And that is the premise, that is the backstory behind this really wonderful and intimate documentary film called Harvest Season, and we're fortunate to have with us today the director, Bernardo Ruiz. Bernardo, welcome to Film School. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, and one of the things about it is this the tone of the film. There are certain filmmakers and certain films that there you can kind of feel the uh, a level of intrusion into the subject and sometimes it's it's an important thing that it's sort of part of what you have to do as a filmmaker with your film i felt like i was just a fly on the wall sort of beginning to know the people in the film in a very relaxed manner a, a really in sort of in i'll say enveloping but it's sort of a very a very unobtrusive way and uh, I just that's a compliment to you as a, as a filmmaker from from my viewing experience but tell me a little bit about how you got interested in the subject of the California wine industry first of all I really appreciate that um, you know I appreciate your your comment about the filmmaking style and I you know and we can talk more about this later but I would just say that that's really just a function of time. And that's, I think, one of the things that I really love about documentary and um, that you can't replicate in other types of media. And that's just, you know, the the more time you invest as a filmmaker in a place or with people, I think the the greater uh, chance you are that you're going to have, you know, genuine moments, authentic moments, and and the the less kind of, uh, the the less intrusive you'll be. So I, I think that that's, you know, that. That's really just a function of time. But yeah. I, I became interested in this story through a couple of, of different ways, but I was actually inspired by this a film from 99. There's another documentary. It's a film called Sing Faster, The Ring Cycle, and it's uh, a film about the staging of an opera, uh, but all told from the point of view of the stagehands and the makeup people and basically all the behind-the-scenes labor that makes the diva uh, shine. And so um, I really loved that kind of framing, uh, basically that all of this behind-the-scenes work is as important as whatever's happening on stage, and that there are sometimes more interesting, compelling human dramas and moments happening behind the scenes than there are on the, on the front stage uh, that's more visible. And so uh, that kind of got me interested in that, and, um, you know, I was also just looking for an excuse to drink wine for, <laughs> <laughs> for, for a couple of years. Um, and that kind of got me started, and then I, I, I basically just, you know, began scouting. I, I went and visited. The, there are about at least a dozen and maybe up to 20 uh, Mexican-American-owned, uh, uh, you know, wineries, uh, vintners. And I, I, you know, I began visiting folks, and I just began that kind of process of casting, uh, of seeing who I 
I, I thought, you know, just intuitively, I might be able to follow during a whole harvest season process. That's kind of what got me started. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about those particular people. And you go ahead and just, uh, I mean, we've got Gustavo Brambilla, uh, Rene Reyes, and Vanessa Robledo. And tell us a yes. little bit uh, about their sort of place in the film, um, where they fit into the story. Yeah, so my kind of the, the first person I became interested in was Gustavo Brambilla. And he's kind of within California wine. Um, he, he's kind of a, a well-known figure. Uh, about 10 years ago, there was a Hollywood movie called Bottle Shock. Um, it came out in 2008 with Alan Rickman. And that's a film that's about the, the so-called judgment at Paris. And it was basically a, a blind taste test uh, where California wines were put up against some of the top French wines. And in this blind taste test with, you know, European and French judges, this, um, th- this group of California wines defeated the French wines. And, it, you know, in, in the wine world, if you were part of that world, it caused a big upset. It was sort of a big marketing event as well. Um, and it really transformed uh, California wine. So that was 1976. It really kind of set the stage for what people know of and uh, think of when, you know, when they talk about California wine uh, today. And Gustavo Brambilla was a kind of small part of that history. He was working at one of the wineries, Chateau Magdalena, when this happened. Um, and so I, I came to him first because I thought, here's this fascinating winemaker who has been around since really the birth of California wines, you know, contemporary California wines. And yet, you know, he's not very well known outside of uh, this world. He's, he, he's not a household name. Um, and so I, I was kind of drawn to him. Uh, he's not someone who talks a lot, but when you follow him, you see him in the film, he's constantly smelling and tasting. You know, he's grabbing uh, clusters of grapes and biting into them. He, he, he's sniffing the wine. He's sipping the wine. Um, even during production, I would ask him how uh, how do you you know how do you avoid getting tipsy or, or drunk by the end of the day because you're <laughs> you're sipping wine all day. Um, you know he has his little tricks and secrets, but but he was really the first person that I was drawn to, um, in part because of that history because he'd been a part of this you know mm-hmm. um, th- this kind of important moment in California wine, um, and you know. Through spending time up, up in Napa, I began to hear about Vanessa Robledo, who is this very compelling on-camera presence. You know, she's a, a young woman in a, in a field that's dominated by men, by, by male growers and, and uh, vintners. Um, she's got a really extraordinary story. Um, her father, uh, Reynaldo Robledo, was the founder of one of the first big Mexican-American wineries, the Robledo Vineyards. Um, but as she says in the film, you know, her father felt like only the, the male children, the should uh, the, the, her brothers, that only they should should uh, take over the family business, despite the fact that she was, you know, kind of already running her fa- her father's business. Um, and so she ends up. Uh, what you see in the film is she ends up breaking away and um, starting her own business with her her mother. Um, so I, I, you know, it was, it was really. Um, luck that led me to her, and um, and then it was just time. She was hesitant at first about participating in the film. Understandably, she didn't know you know what 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 my exact plans were. Uh, but again, I think that's just a function of time. Uh, just uh, showing up, being very clear with people about what your intentions are, right. um, and you know being accountable. 
Um, and, and finally, you know, you have Renee Reyes in the film, who is a uh, guest worker from the state of Michoacan, and it's through him that you really see the kind of hard labor um, that, you know, that his work is really the backbone of the Napa wine economy. You know, his labor and that of other workers that come in during harvest season, uh, there would be no, Cal- there wouldn't be any California wine without workers like Renee. You know, there's a theme throughout this, throughout the telling of the story, and you touched on it, but it's, it's about family. You know, and I, I think there's something about the fact that this is farming at the, at the in, it, in its essence. This is what it is. We're farming grapes, turning them into wine. And farming is, in the history of humankind, it's about a small group of people, usually family, almost always family, uh, doing something that is about as organic, as about as close to nature as we can be in terms of what we're doing and this this connection between the earth and family and pride in what they do at every level and that's the thing that comes across in this film at every level there's a tremendous amount of pride in the work that's being done and this connection to what they're doing that's that's one of the things that really elevates this film and in in not only in the story itself but in the way that you tell it um, is that a is that fair to say? I mean, I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that that observation, and I think um, you know, I, I we filmed this. We were in production for about two and a half to three years. I mean, if you include the the period when I was reading and doing pre interviews and and kind of really getting acquainted with the world with the material, then it was about two and a half years. I mean, I I actually live in New York. Um, so it, it's not as if this was a story that was in my backyard. Uh, and in fact, I have other filmmaker friends who are from, you know, the Bay Area. They would always laugh. This is something that, you know, they'd heard about, but it wasn't as intriguing to them because it was right in their own backyard. And I think that this is a funny thing that happens sometimes as a filmmaker. You know, the, the, the things that aren't uh, around you, you know, uh, <laughs> are intriguing. But, I mean, I lived in, in the North Bay during the the grape harvest. Um, and, I, you know, I also got to work with some wonder, wonderful collaborators. I worked with a cinematographer named Victor Tadashi Suarez. Who's, he's now uh, shooting for the New York Times on an upcoming uh, uh, visual journalism series, a video series that they're, they're about to put out. You know, he's just a terrific collaborator because uh, the way we worked, uh, sometimes it'd be just the two of us. Uh, sometimes at most we'd be three people. And I, I think obtaining intimacy is possible when you're working that small. I even do something, uh, I've done it on the uh, past two feature documentaries that I've made, where I'll record audio-only interviews with the main participants in the film. I've found that in general, people are they are more willing to be open and intimate in an audio-only interview because it's, you know, it's less obtrusive. There's no camera, there's no light. <clears throat> it's just a microphone. I think that's one of the reasons that podcasts and audio documentaries can be so so interesting. But the, the other thing that it does for me as a filmmaker is that when I have an audio-only interview, it, uh, it forces me to not use the crutch of a sit-down interview and to, just for, and to work with Verite. And I, I have nothing uh, against sit-down interviews. In fact, I you know, just finished a series that was all driven by sit-down interviews. I just think that for this particular film, what I was looking for 
was to bring an audience into this world, to immerse them in this world, uh, and then to, to have them feel like events were unfolding in front of them. And so if there was going to be dialogue or, or kind of interview bites, but I wanted it to come uh, seamlessly through the scenes as if they were in the characters' minds. And so, you know, that was the, that reason. I mean, obviously, it's a technique that other filmmakers use, but I really like that, that ability to do a sit-down interview that's quiet, that's intimate, and then find ways to match that to uh, verite footage that you're seeing on screen. As you're describing it, I'm, I'm trying to think there's very few, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall right off the top of my head, any real, what you would call genuine sit-down where you're they're lit in a chair and you're talking to them. Every, almost everything I can think of, help me if I'm wrong, is walking around or they'll be in a family situation or at a party and you're hearing them sort of narrate their experiences during that period of time. But it, that's pretty much what we've got going in the film, right? Yeah, that, that's right. And um, you know, there the, are a few moments in the film where you have these on the f- moments uh, on the fly interviews, but I mean that was that was again it's just a function of time. You know, because we filmed over two and a half years, what we were always looking for, what I was on the lookout for, were moments or scenes that could elaborate an idea. I think for I, I shot for fifty plus days, you know, on this over two and a half years. Towards the end of the process, when I thought we were wrapping up production, uh, the wildfires. This is uh, October of two thousand seventeen. In, in Napa and Sonoma, these massive wildfires hit. I mean, the wildfires ended up claiming at least 44 lives. Uh, just untold acres of, you know, wineries and, and vineyards were torched. I mean, an entire mobile home was just incinerated. Right. Um, and so that meant, um, you know, again, this is where documentaries are, are so unique. You know, you you may think you're done. You may think you have the, the material you need and then, a massive event happens in your character's lives, and it's you know it's your job to kind of to pivot and and follow that, uh, you know even with the limited resources you have. So for me, it meant just following the fires, their devastation, and just uh, how Napa and Sonoma counties reacted to those fires. I mean, I think a lot of people have seen footage and material of it, but you know you had FEMA trucks and the National Guard and, and helicopters coming in, <clears throat> and for me, it was a, a very dramatic event. That then um, meant, you know, uh, connecting this this event to the to the characters in the film and how they were uh, impacted by the fires. And you know, Vanessa and Gustavo were both uh, impacted in in very big ways. Yeah. And that's something that you see in the film it makes for this this kind of dramatic uh, third act. That again, you know, I wasn't planning for, uh, but we certainly were ready to, you know, to 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 follow those events once it did happen. Yeah, that is a that's a spectacular event uh and it's uh, it's hard to kind of grasp the scope of it. I think you have to see it and uh uh in person to under, completely understand just how horrific that was for for those people. Not only yeah, you're right, it wiped out just huge swaths of land and um that again, I, without I don't want to spoil this because I think people need to see the film. It's called Harvest Season, and it, it will be screening coming up on May 13th on the PBS series Independent Lens. That is a Monday, 
And as you always hear, whenever you hear someone talk about PBS, they always say, check your local listings, but it's uh, scheduled for a 10 p.m. Um, 10 p.m. screening, uh, probably wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice. The, the, this event creates an, another level of, of dynamics in the film because everyone now is reacting in their own ways and it, it just plays out. Uh, in very interesting ways and very heartbreaking ways in some some manner of speaking. But um, it's a wonderful work. Uh, I, I want to let people know that you have two other films. Uh, Repertoro, am I saying that? Mm-hmm. Repertoro, which is about yeah. journalism. Yeah. yeah, About journalism uh, in Mexico. Uh, tremendous reviews for that. Your second feature was called uh, Kingdom of Shadows about the drug war, the U.S. and Mexico, and how that's playing out. And this is your third work with Harvest Season. Uh, again, people can find out more about the film and where it's screening. I, I happen to be here in Orange County. The film is playing at the Newport Beach Film Festival, um, and you can check that out by going to the Newport Beach Film Festival.com website. But Harvest Season Movie.com is a great way to, to, to find out everything you need to know or would want to know about the film. I'm going to ask you a question that I think I know the answer to. I mean, I think I know the circumstances and the things that probably wake you up in the night are you're always trying to get that shot something that encapsulates sort of a set of, you know, a character's uh, psychology or a situation. But occasionally you do miss it, right? I mean, you can't be everywhere all the time. Have you sort of as a filmmaker just learned that that stuff just happens? I mean, is it, does it leave you scarred for life? I mean, how do you, how do you get over <laughs> missing something you weren't there because for a lot of reasons or it just doesn't work out that you whatever. How do you yeah. kind of deal with that when you're a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker? It's that's a really great question, um, and it is true that 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 has happened over the years. Um, there is a moment that you you really wanted, or you know, either logistics or equipment or human failure, whatever it is, you know, uh, prevents you from from getting. A moment that you know you think might be incredibly compelling, or um, or communicate something critical to the story. And I, I, you know, what I try to do is, um, as much as possible, use that as a. I mean, it's a little cliche, but to use it as a teachable, teachable moment. It's like, what, what can I do next time to avoid, um, you know, doing something like that? And, and also, what can I do to set myself up and my team up for success so that. You know what are what are the things that you can do? It's you know it's just tricky. It, it that that is part of the process though is sometimes missing pieces, and sometimes having a story that's in fragments or not having everything you need, then that becomes the story. You know, yeah. um, you know I, I think documentary filmmaking is a little bit like opening up the refrigerator and uh, cooking with the ingredients you have, not the ingredients you want. You know anybody can go to. <laughs> A fancy story by you know it, you know you know if you've got money you can buy all the ingredients you want but the point is about documentaries you work with what you have you work with the tools that you have you work with the circumstances and the, the people who are willing to participate and the materials you can afford and that that then becomes interesting it becomes part of the process so um, you know a big budget project they get to do um, you know much more but 
I think being creative and telling a compelling story with limited resources, um, I think ultimately is more interesting than these kind of bigger budget projects. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful response to that because, uh, again, you know, sort of the the uh, the old adage that which does not destroy me makes me stronger. I just was kind of curious about the psychology. I mean, you 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 did it. That's a wonderful answer, and I think that's. It's just going to happen. I can't imagine that there isn't a filmmaker alive who, who doesn't have some very serious regrets about what they didn't get on film. So uh, it's I'm, part of I'm, it. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely. And especially in Verite documentary. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is wonderful, fascinating discussion. I really enjoyed our conversation, Bernardo Ruiz. The, uh, the film, again, is Harvest Season. It is premiering on independent lens on monday may 13th but as i said you can find out all that you need to know about the film and where it's screening and the backstory behind it by going to harvestseasonmovie.com that's harvestseasonmovie.com and you can also go to your own website bernardoruiz.com there's information about you as a filmmaker and and uh, and other information so and independent lens. There's all kinds of places to go, and I urge you to check this out on all all of them. Uh, terrific filmmaking with Harvest Season, and please come back when something else is ready for uh, for to be birthed into the world. I'd love to talk to you some more, Bernardo. Absolutely. No, I, I really enjoyed this conversation, and um, I'm sure it'll be it'll take some time to to get another one off the ground. But um, but I really appreciate this deep and thoughtful conversation. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.